0: Right. So we're not talking about the book of virtues with character traits that you have. We're talking about, really, the word priority comes to mind. What is your priority? What's your purpose? What are the things that you would say, I'm about this. And if I'm not about that, I'm about this. And if I'm not about that, I'm about this. And what really drives you and motivates you? And like we said a couple weeks ago, what gets you out of bed in the morning to actually do what you're doing? And so that is a very wide conversation because... Everybody, you know, has different motivations for doing what they do. Well, what is it that motivates you to do what you do? And that's what we talk about when we're talking about values. And we had discussed last time we were together how uh, not all values are equal. You can't
1: place everything as a 10 if you're scaling your values as a 1. It's something that's in your life but of very little value to you versus something that is a 10 of extreme value. We had a really good conversation with the men after this last meeting Mm -hmm. about what were the top five values, and we narrowed them down to the top three. It was interesting to find that most of the top three values of the men were very similar um, they, I think the priorities, like maybe, I think everyone's one was in some way God. God's kingdom, God himself, God's glory. In some way, one was reflecting God. The twos and the threes were what were kind of changing from person to person. Right. I think most of us had in our top three the same thing, but not necessarily in the same order. And so, is it required that everyone's values need to be
0: exactly, you know, one, two, three, four, five, let's say top five, that they're all going to look the same? Right. Um, Obviously, no, it's not going to need to look the same. And it's sad that some people, and that will go into point six tonight, try to make everybody's values look the same. And they almost make you feel like you're lesser of a person if you don't have the same set of values that they have. And why is it that you think, John, that everyone expects everyone else's values to be the same as theirs? I think there's a lot of reasons for it. I think one of the reasons, obviously, is pride. They are so arrogant to think everybody needs to look like me and live like me to actually find success because they think they're living successfully. Um, but I think another thing is when you truly have a desire to help people succeed and you know you've tested and proven mm. a certain way of suce- you know how to succeed, then you kind of are a little bit more... Um, you want to impress upon other people that it's worked for me, and so if you try it this way, at least you can see maybe some of the success I've seen.
1: You know what I found, John, that someone who has strong values but not strong um, identity, not a strong self-confidence, it, almost, it they, they require other people's validation of theirs. And when you, when you don't agree with their values, it, they take it on an attack on themselves personally. And so you find yourself going quickly into an argument, and it seems that the other person is defending more than their values. It's almost like they're defending their life because they have attached that to their confidence. And when you in some way address, reject,
0: question even their values, they are essentially saying you are questioning who I am as a person. Right. And I think you hit on something really important there. If you're using your values to actually bring to you some kind of confidence, that's the wrong purpose of them. Right? It's more to um, instead of you know, having to make your values um, out there for everybody so that they respect you, you should mm. use it so in a way, you have a life that is really helping you put where God where He's supposed to be. And these values should be aligned and attuned to you identifying with who God has made you and how God has put your life the way it is. I see values as a whole lot less of giving us our identity and a whole lot more of
1: giving us our purpose. And so someone can attack my values all day, every day. It doesn't matter to me if you attack my values because... That's not how I identify myself through my values. I identify myself through Christ, and he's right. stable enough for me. There's no way you can attack and win that battle. Right. But as far as attacking my values, well, that's okay because my values give my life purpose. It may not give you your life purpose, but I don't need to find purpose in you confirming my purpose. Right. My purpose is strong outside of your confirmation of my purpose.
0: Right, and it's a sad thing when we need other people's validation Especially when we don't even go to God, but instead go to other people for validation, right? And there's, I think, a big problem within Christians. They'll value more what everybody else thinks and says about them than what they get them getting which on their knees. Which then tells you what are their values. Their <laughs> well, value then does. is man and yes. man's approval yes. and man's opinion. yes. And they'll state publicly whatever needs to be said to gain what is their first value, and that's the approval of someone else. Right, and so there it is. They might say even among people, well, God is my first priority, but they don't practically live like that because God is not somebody they um, confide in or they get advisory counsel from for really anything they do. You could determine your
1: values not by what you say, but by what is important to you when you are around two completely different groups of people. Uh, what is important to you on Sunday morning? Well, I, you know, I love worshiping and the word of God. But then if you're hanging out with friends at the workplace before, after, or during, and those values completely change, then, then your value system is fluid. And right. a fluid value system doesn't give you that strong sense of purpose. What it does bring, John, in my experience, is it brings a lot of regret because you make choices that you'll later regret. But it also brings discouragement because deep down you know that something's missing. And deep down you know there's shallowness in your soul when your values are so fluid,
0: right, and it really just brings to a point where that double man and man has unstable in all his yes, ways, right? That's correct. That's so the that you can I think that, is right? what we would look at as somebody who is always changing their values to meet the group that they're in front of, and. Uh, they call these people politicians. <laughs> uh, okay. Ouch. All right. Well, I'm not a politician. I feel true. the pain
1: of those listening that might be. Okay. Ethan, we're going to move on to another qu- uh, statement tonight, the price we pay for our values. There is a heavy price. Now, that is regardless of what your values are, right? If your value system is, is pleasure, pleasure in this life, there is a high cost for that value system. If your value system is family first, oh, man, there's a dear cost to pay for making family first to yourself. Like, you will sacrifice much to put family above you so much more when they are above everything, including God. Like, there's right. a high price to pay for your values. So it's, it's not that, well, I don't want to pay a price, therefore I don't want values. It doesn't work that way. Right. Everyone's going to have values, even if that's you. If you are your value, you've got values. Right. It's a matter of... Are you willing to pay the high price that that your value system requires? Is the value system you chose for yourself worth the price that life will require of it? Right. You can't get away from paying the piper. All right? You got to pay. Are you getting something for your money? So, Ethan, what are your thoughts on this idea that uh, there's a price we pay for our values regardless of what they are, and therefore, as Christians, choosing the right value system that is worth the cost?
2: Um, so, in yeah, in general, like, I almost disagree with you guys as you're talking about values to a point because, in a sense, your identity informs your own values, your values. In other words, like, who you are, it might not, you know, it, it might not be, oh, because this is important to me, this is who I am, but because of who I am, this is important to me. So, but, okay,
1: but you're going backwards as right. opposed to your identity Requiring your, you know, or your essentially your values creating your identity. It's your identity in Christ is resulting in what the values are. Right. You so have.
2: I, so I would say, I, I, you should absolutely still feel strongly about that. Um, on the same hand, you know, and on this, and on the same side, the, on the different side of the same coin, not feeling personally attacked when someone doesn't align with your personal values. Okay. So, All right. Um, but as far as like the cost, um, there's. There's obviously emotional cost to it because you are literally dedicating yourself to, okay, I'm going to believe these things. Mm-hmm. This is who I am. Um, there's social cost because there's going to be people who don't like what you have to say. Always. There's, they're not there's going to agree no with you. There's no set of values right. that
1: the entire world will agree on. And no, there's likely there's going no to, set of values the entire Christian world no, right. will agree on, and let alone the
2: world. <laughs> and there's likely going to be, there's probably going to be some sort of financial or some sort of tangible physical cost to you. You know, for example, if someone surrender, say, like I'm going to do whatever God asks me to do with my life, 100%. Hmm. And if that's not, if that is part of, you know, surrender to God, if that's part of, like, your, quote, unquote, your value system, then you're opening yourself up to, hey, you're going to go to a foreign country, a uh, world nation where you don't have the comforts that you might experience in, like, a, a, the Western world. You have to be okay with that. So, you know, knowing, it, it's kind of, I guess it goes back to that biblical principle we talked about of counting the cost. Um, a couple weeks ago.
1: Yeah, when Christ informs the apostles. And by the way, in Acts chapter 4, I have that open now. Peter is brought before uh, the council Mm -hmm. because he's representing Christ, and they basically threaten Peter and say, stop preaching what you are preaching. Verse 19, but Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than to God, judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and hurt. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go. Now, in this case, they got up, but we're going to find, you know, obviously in Scripture and in history, the apostles don't get off in the future. They are called out, and they are persecuted, all martyred except for John. The attempt on his life didn't succeed, and John dies a hurting, decrepit old man because of the persecution on his body. But uh, the high price, Peter right here makes it very clear there is no cost. Right. I'm not willing to pay for my value system. Correct. Mm-hmm. And his value system is obviously, he states it here, God. Right. God is my value system. He's the priority, the top priority. And he says, there's nothing you can say that would keep me from telling God no. And he says, judge amongst yourselves what could possibly, do you think, what could possibly sway me from
0: turning right. away from God. Turning right. away from God. And, I, you know, I don't know if you can say that every value on your list is something you would die for. No, I hope not, because right. your list, I hope, is <laughs> right. more than three. We mentioned the three, <laughs> right. but there, there are going to be other things that are important to you of course. that should be important, but not above God, family, and the other things we mentioned. Of course, and, but there are things on that list, probably in the top five, that will influence your decisions uh, to a point where you will or will not hang out with a certain person because of them or you will or will not buy a certain thing, or you will or not go a certain place. So not choosing to relate to them is different than going to war with them right. over a value system. Oh, right. But unfortunately, right. a
1: lot of Christians do just that. They oh, do. Wait, your value system isn't mine. Not only right. am I choosing to not be friends, but this is war, man. We're going to duke it out, you know, and, and from if it's pastors from the pulpit, you know, right. literally talking about each other from pulpit to pulpit. If it's right. Christians, it's all kinds of shunnery and beyond, right?
0: So, right. And social media is the battleground for yeah, most of this, isn't is, it? That is true. <laughs> it's
1: like... That is true. Wow. So are our values... And I actually didn't have that question, Minson, but are our value systems worth fighting over? Yes and no. Because yes obviously, no. the top priority, God, yes. I would hope is worth fighting yeah, over fi- and yep. dying for. That's yep. what Peter's saying. Yep. I would hope family is worth fighting over and dying right. for. Uh, We talked about truth being one of those value systems. I think that there are some truths worth dying for. Others, eh, no, I'm not willing to die for that particular truth, right? Right. Mm -hmm. But um, outside of those top three, man, I don't know that there's many that I'm willing to, like, take, you know, go the extreme of fighting and dying for. Our country, if you really have a sense of patriotism. So is that, for Christians, a biblical Mm -hmm. requirement to place as a top value system? Oh, no, not a biblical requirement. All right, so then Christians are free… To determine right. if,
0: that, if their country is of a value worth Abs- dying for. Absolutely. But I'm just saying there are some outside of that where people would put in a value system that would cause them to die for. There are. You know what? When I think of that, John, I think a lot of people who died for their country we weren't necessarily dying for the land
1: oh, no. or the flag. They were dying for, for the brothers. opportunity right. for their family to continue in right. the values they enjoyed. Basically, freedoms. Right. Religious freedom. Uh, you know, freedom to, 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 to the pursuit of happiness, you might say. Correct. So they're essentially not necessarily dying, in my opinion. I'm not saying okay. some aren't willing to die for country, God and country, right? I think a lot are actually dying for value systems that they want their children to also enjoy.
0: Okay, so when you say for country, let's just say that that kind of means the value system that they think the country should idealize. But see, the problem
1: is the, our country doesn't oh. actually have these value systems. <laughs> not so anymore, right? it's
0: not the same thing. Dying for your country isn't the same thing as dying for your value
1: system. Mm-hmm. These days, at least, it's not. Maybe hundreds of years ago. Maybe. But I get what you're saying. I'm not trying to be facetious no, or I argumentative. I think that, yes, Christians are definitely within their rights to have values that they're worth dying for, but another Christian can't point the finger at them and say,
0: how dare you right. do or do not. Because the Bible doesn't require that value system, at least on the countryside. Absolutely. So I'm just saying that there are probably others that we wouldn't think of as in our real house of biblical values that people will put in there and die for. Um, And there's probably more that we look at as, as frivolous. We even say, judging them, saying, you would seriously die for that? And some people would be like, well, yeah, wouldn't you? Well, there's
1: obviously people who die every day for the value system purely of their own name. People fighting, knife fights, gun fights, fist fights that lead to death because someone dissed them, because someone
0: called them out publicly and made them look bad, and they literally killed or was killed because of that argument. And, I mean, yeah, and or, or somebody else they love, you know, or something like that. It's, it's, it's rampant. We have so much hate and so much division in our, in our country and the way we are that, yeah, these things that we would consider frivolous that at the end of the day don't mean anything are so passionately taken by some people that they would take a life or lose their life over it. So this is a great point that if people are dying
1: for a value system that has little value, um, as Christians, what are we
0: doing to stop that process? I think it's all about coming back to truth, getting the truth out there of who you are, who we are in Christ, who we can be. And there's where truth plays a big part in a Christian's value system to be able to bring that truth to the lost and dying world to keep them from using their value system to hurt themselves. But then, Ethan, I'll let you answer this question. A lot of churches are
1: essentially encouraging strongly, if not forcing, a value system on the congregation of, of what I would call petty things, um, standards of dress, standards of music, standards of versions. And, and inevitably, I'm not saying these things aren't important. So again, they're on a value system, but are these worth fighting and dying for? And yet a lot of churches are pushing these values as like not only a top 10, but top five or top three, such a high value system is placed on them that churches are going to war over these, what I would call petty philosophies. I think you've seen this growing up, so I'm curious what your thoughts
2: are. So there's this thing in Christianity, in the Bible, well, it's not necessarily a stated theology in the Bible, but we believe in it. It's called individual, soul liberty. You are free. You have a liberty to choose on your own and or through the influence of the Holy Spirit what is important to you. You have that freedom. There are things that are stated in the Scripture that absolutely you should believe in and that you should die for. And then outside of that, the Holy Spirit can and should convict you convict you, about things that, you know, there, there are values that my parents have that they believe super strongly in that I don't. I'm not wrong for not having that, and they're not wrong for—I'm not wrong for not having those values, and they're not wrong for having them. Now, with that being said, like, there are things that we can universally agree we can—we should be dying for, that we should be okay with to die for, but— then, when it comes to, indiv- to the individual soul level, that's where it gets murky, and that's where I think a lot of these churches have gone. I mean, you, you know, for example, if you have a guy who uh, was a former, uh, you know, a, 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 like a, like a gang member, you know, and they're a pastor, you know, form, they have like a former life in that arena. What are they? Get? They're going to have very strong values that, whatever, like, remotely looks like that world, we run away from it, and so that might look like the way that the music we listen to, that might look like the dress, and for that pastor. Personally, on a, a personal level, yeah, he might be very well like, I'm willing to die for this. Just because of how strongly he has been convicted. Because of again. the danger he's already experienced right. in that so type So there's of nothing life. wrong with him having those values. There's nothing wrong with him even being willing to die for it. Nope. But if from the pulpit, now he makes these... When you make it a rallying cry. Right. This is a rallying cry. This is like, these are fundamental truths from the scripture rather than here are the convictions I have based off of principles right. and truths. That's where it goes wrong. That's where I think a lot of these churches are, where these their pastors are very good men. They are very well-intentioned, mm-hmm. but they've taken the things that maybe they personally are willing to, like, die for, be persecuted for, they've made that the standard for all Christians. All right. So
1: I agree with you totally in everything you said. What yeah. is the result for the next generation of Christians who are not, right. gay, you know, repentant gang members? What's the result for them who grow up in that forced value system? Because that's basically our last question right. of tonight, and that is, can we and should we force our values on others? What is the result when those values have been forced, especially ones that aren't clearly laid out in
2: Scripture? What you, do you find? You can look up uh, Barnabas. You don't have to look you can look at like Christian research. You just can just look at any research out there. Right. There's a mass... I think there's a return back to the church with... Gen Z, more or I'm less. Once they start having but, kids in middle mm-hmm. age, 30s and right. 40s, they but kind of like, start the There's a reason right. why the millennials, there's like a huge, and even with uh, the, before them, Gen X, there's a reason why there's a, like a large mass exodus from the church, because that was happening a lot, I believe, at least from what I've... Surely it's not one particular thing. No. But
1: I agree. I think that that is a major reason. Right. Uh, spiritual leaders over-spiritualizing unbiblical values. Right and over-prioritizing unbiblical values, which unbiblical doesn't mean wrong, evil, or wicked. It just means values that are not clearly that in Scripture, making them tense when the Bible has clearly not made them tense, and the next generation of believers seeing that so clearly and calling out what they would refer to maybe as hypocrisy.
0: Right, and hypocrisy. I think more than anything, it goes back to the first point you were making, They are just not sure if this is the direction they should be going or going away from, and so they're trying to gather people or keep people where they are because they're not sure what the future looks like without all these standards holding them up, and that's sad because they're putting more faith in their standards to sustain them than they are God. Hmm. So if you had stated some
1: people have values, they recognize the blessing of these values, and they want others to follow suit. If that is our heart then what is our responsibility? I'll start. I think, okay. I think our responsibility is to make sure that whatever values we're going to encourage someone else to have do not fall into the realm of experience and preference, but are clearly laid out in Scripture. Right. So once we've done that, John, what do you think would be the next responsibility
0: or at least another responsibility we should have once we've clarified these values are biblical values. Right. If they're biblical values, we should probably call them biblical principles and teach them as such and then put our preferences very clearly stated in another wholly different mm. camp and, and show, okay, and from even from the pulpit, now, this is what I do. This is not what you have to do. This is not a biblical principle. This is just a standard I have. And it's not a biblical principle, but this is what I do. You know, I look at the Pharisees, and they are the, I guess, biblical example of forcing your value system on other people to a point where it gets systemic, right? So, I mean, it was, I mean, if you want to talk about values and the unhealthy forcing of people with values, the Pharisees come to mind immediately, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at the history of the Pharisees, you might actually you know, look and see, you feel their pain in a way because all they were trying to do was they were trying to keep Israel from being taken back into captivity again. And they had said, we don't want to ever go to get to a point where we are so against God, where we have to be taken out of this land and taken out of our culture again. So (laughs) let's do everything we can to stay where we are and to see God's blessing. Mm. But that's where it got them because they started majoring more On their own preferences and their own way of keeping themselves righteous than the God who makes them righteous and they lost huge sight of where they were as a whole generation of religious leaders because they were so intent I don't know I can't remember the actual number but hundreds of laws that they put on top of the biblical principles Mm -hmm. so that people would have to would never get to the point where they cross those lines that's where we are and I think a lot of churches today And it's no better today than it was with the Pharisees. It's still wrong. It's still hypocritical. And Jesus would call it out just as firmly as he called it out at at that day. Because those Pharisees, you could say, were well-intentioned. Their motivation was so that they would obey the word of God, and as a culture, they would not go back to the bondage in pagan places. So you would actually say they had a great motivation to make everybody walk like they walk, talk like they talk, uh, dress like they dress. Yes, yeah, so
1: they don't get back in exile. Like so you. we
0: don't get back in exile. Right. So how many pastors and how many other Christians are doing the same thing? Mm-hmm. They don't want anybody to go cross that line where God judges them to a point where, listen, if you just follow me and do what I do, I'm wearing the place where God is blessing, so you come over here and you look like me, you talk like me, you dress like me, you comb your hair like me, so that, you know, you can see blessing too.
1: So as Ethan stated, good intentions, but these good intentions are still resulting in people saying you are preaching a value system that is not in Scripture.
0: Right. And see how this even per- pervades the church. I mean, you look at the pharisaical thought that even after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, into the church age, you still got things that are being a hang-up for the local church. Because when Gentiles start to come in, right. it becomes a huge dissension. They to be Jews. Right. But why do they want them to Jews? Because they had been trained their whole life that if you want to be righteous, you've got to actually make somebody be like you. Mm-hmm. And that's where it was stemming from. And so they had to actually, in a way, say the Gentiles have to have the same values as the Jewish people. And if they don't, they can't be Christians. Right, right. And you know, Paul and, Pe- and, and Peter had a problem with that. Yeah, they did be- have that problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> so It was brought up before it, be it was brought- Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this... This is, I think, you follow the pharisaicalism of the Jewish culture, and you follow it right down through where God had to help Paul and Peter actually get context on this so that the church wasn't, you know, just racially divided mm-hmm. at the very onset of the church uh, age.
1: Ethan, what is your advice for our generation, older generation, who, who live out what we believe to be a strong value system and desire the next generation or the next few generations to also have a strong value system, how can we help them find their own biblical
2: value system, even if it doesn't look exactly like ours? Do this, what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Talk about it. Dialogue. Yep. Do it on a very even smaller personal level. Because if you don't make it a priority, it won't happen. I'm glad we're doing this. I, I, when we first started having these like, men's gatherings, I'm like, man, like, we, should be, like, we should see a lot more like, guys my age here. Or even like, the guys who are a little bit older than me, you know, between my age and yours. Like, mm-hmm. There should be more of them here. It should be such a big push because, you know, I was just thinking about, you said, okay, uh, we have to teach them biblical truth, but then what what happens after that? Well, as they form their biblical values, we need to teach them, like, someone needs to be taught, because we're already doing that. We're teaching people the truth. But the second part of that is, okay, now, here's how to use your biblical, you know, lens to view the world around you, to inform all your decisions. I guess, here's the framework for forming the rest of your values. Um, Because... You know, we're looking at a generation of, of at generations of guys who they really, honestly, it's great. You can believe whatever you want to. Like, literally. Right. right. Your and, own truth. Live your own truth. Right. And as so. As we talked about earlier, fluid right, values. Right, right. right. So, it's almost then, the call of the day. Yeah. Right. And then so, teaching them, okay, you can, true, 100%. You can believe whatever you want to. You can have, in whatever order of importance you want to, you can, you can do that. But here's how to do it as a Christian. You know, we, we'll, here's your top two, top three that you probably should have. Here's what should be in your top three, more or less top five. But then outside of that, like, you know, unless unless you give them the values that will can that will carry them through their rest of their 20s into their 30s, so that they can be healthy 40 year olds and not have midlife crisis, right. then not only teaching them the truth, but giving them the framework for like, here's how you need to apply this for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what we're doing, I think, absolutely. Like, uh, I always try to say like the. That is one of the most important roles that men in the church can have is informing like the younger men, because Paul talks a lot about the younger men, mm-hmm. but informing the younger men here we 're telling you what is true, but here 's how to like process this process this
1: I think that um, in the effort to assist someone else with their value system, there must be humility. I talk a lot about that mm-hmm. often that <laughs> in right? a ver- in a variety of conversations because I am just so convinced that humility plays such a deeper role in the Christian life than most Christians are willing to admit or recognize. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe you're going to be successful in assisting someone else with their value system if done so in pride. The pride of my value system is the best. Here's the perfect one. Just take it as it is. Don't make any changes, and you're guaranteed success. That's just pride. Right. And people aren't necessarily drawn to pride unless they're
0: prideful themselves. Now you've got
1: prideful people working with prideful
0: people. Mm Yeah, and I, I was going to read this passage in Scripture. I don't think it's out of, you know, our, our what we're talking about now. But, you know, we're in this week right before, you know, the Resurrection Sunday, and we're in this last push that Jesus is going to make towards his atonement for us. And during that time, we have the anointing of his feet in Bethany mm-hmm. by this woman who, you know, broke the bottle right. and used her hair to wash his feet. And what always catches my attention is the people that the Bible says in Mark chapter 15, they had indignation against her, and they murmured against her. And that was that would be, and, and, and this is, this is the, the context I go with, there are so many people that would probably find themselves on the side of murmuring against her because of where their value system is. And their value system wasn't where Jesus' value system is. But at least in this situation, they had the benefit of Jesus Christ being there who set the record straight and said, whoa, what are you guys murmuring against her? She has done a good work. You have no idea what she has just done and the value of what she has just done. And if Jesus wasn't there to set the record straight, you wonder if this story would ever be mentioned in the word of God. And if that woman would have just been totally, in a way, ostracized because of how dare you do what you just did, because a bunch of people with a certain type of value were the ones that, you know, were in control of the conversation. I'm glad Jesus didn't let that go, and he stood up, and he spoke up and said, this is a good thing, even if it doesn't fit in your value system. Even if it doesn't work with what you think should happen. By the way, in a companion passage, the iron of this, you see that one of the ones that was leading the murmuring was Judas. His value system was money. His value system was money. <laughs> system was money. Yeah. Okay, but look at other people. He wasn't the only one. There were other people that got on board and were convinced to use Judas's you know, anger against this and you know, piggyback on it and do the same thing. So I just think to myself, what an example in Mark chapter 15 of where this can go if you don't have some biblical or some righteous truth that's inserted into the conversation. And that's why it's so good we're talking about this. Because if we don't talk about it, we don't insert some biblical truth, then we are just going to fall prey to what is happening and all the different squabbles among Christianity. It's it's based on just preferential things Mm -hmm. that don't really matter when we get to heaven. And when we get to heaven, it's not going to matter. Because we'll have the mind of Christ finally, and it won't be our mind. I'll end with this. When it, that last comment or question
1: regarding um, forcing your values on others, you can't. You can't, nor should you try. But when it comes to deciding your own values, I think one, one great way to determine your own values is to state, if I could hand these off to someone, would they be as just as helpful to them as they are to me at all times in their life? I stated my values last week outside of our time together uh, in in the in the auditorium, first one is god 's glory, second one is the souls of men. And so it has nothing to do with dress code, has nothing to do with worship standards, has nothing to do with church size or leadership style. Those values, I believe, biblically, can be passed on to anyone at any age, at any time, either gender doesn't matter, and they will be just as uh, I think biblical as right. I am. Right. But when you have a value system where the top three, are exclusive to you. Right. <laughs> my top value is my wife, except not everyone's married. How's that value going to help someone else? You know, my top value is my children. Not everyone has children. No. You know, my top value is my pets. Well, you know, not everyone has pets or likes them the way you do. So when your value system can't be handed off to someone and be just as helpful to them, maybe, just maybe, it's time to rethink your value system. Ethan's going to uh, close down the uh, online, and we are grateful for you joining us tonight. Yes. We have Easter Sunday next Sunday, John, so we're going to not have a men's group due to Easter Sunday. We want our families to spend time together. In fact, no live group either. Just going to be the Sunday morning. Right. Big service, though. Big service. It's going to be a little longer, probably, because of all the music and singing and have the Lord's Supper. going to be a great time, starting at 11 o'clock still. and uh, we're just going to have that one service. So we'll get back together again after next Sunday night, and we got at least, I think, one more conversation when it comes to value system that we'll probably get back together for uh, the next time around. Cap it off. Thank you for joining us tonight. We hope you have a great week and a great Easter.